Hey Kyle, this is Corey tuning in from the foothills of Santa Barbara. In my kitchen, I can see Santa Cruz Island and my chickens running around outside and I am making chocolate avocado pudding. It's avocado season here, which reminds me of a public service announcement I wanted to share. And that is, there is no poop fairy. I work for a nonprofit called Heal the Ocean, and we have noticed that dog poop, especially when it's left in little plastic baggies in the sand, has become a source of ocean pollution. So please, everyone, pack out your pet waste. Thank you, Kyle, for your awesome podcast. Keep them coming. You heard her, everyone. Pack out your dog shit. Don't leave it on the beach like a peasant. It's these little things. They go a long way. They're not that hard. Look people in the eye when you shake their hand. Be nice. Pack out dog shit. The world would be such a better place if everyone did that. All right, guys. I'm way too high on coffee. I haven't eaten anything. My friend Shane gave me this lion's mane mushroom powder, which I now put in my coffee, and I'm afraid I might spontaneously combust into flames. But we'll try and make it through this intro. My guest today is Jamie Mitchell. Jamie is 10-time paddleboard Molokai to Oahu champion. Molokai to Oahu, for people who don't know, is a 32-mile open ocean paddleboard race. And Jamie has won it 10 times. It's one of the most savage fucking activities that humans can do. 32 miles through the open ocean. Not only that, but Jamie then became one of the best big wave servers in the world. Um, He is on the big wave world tour and he is seriously one of my favorite people. Um, He, he's been on this podcast before. Um, He's a seeker. He's, he's a true seeker. That's one thing that I love about big wave surfers is that they are experience driven humans and they're constantly digging in to, to figure out who they really are. I sometimes think that it's the community of big wave surfers that keeps me as enthusiastic as I am about the activity as the actual activity. That was a weird way to phrase it, but I'll I'll phrase it another way. I love big wave surfers. In this conversation, we talked about some real shit. I won't give it away, but it was a a really fun conversation. Um, Check out what Jamie is up to also uh, with his, what are they called? Verlasso Salmon. Um, Jamie is an advocate for sustainable fishing, and he's doing a lot of good work with Verlasso. So follow Jamie on Instagram and you can learn more about that. All right, I'm going to get this going. But before I do, you can head over to my website, kyle.surf, to donate to this podcast. One thing that you will not find in this podcast are advertisements. And I rely on people like you to make donations via Patreon. Patreon is a very simple service that allows you to donate whatever you like. $1, $10, $20 a month if you want to get totally crazy. And Patreon will just ding your credit card for that amount. So thank you to everyone who donates. It makes the difference. It allows me to prioritize this. I got to take shit. I got to stop this intro. 
Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoy this conversation with my man, Jamie Mitchell. Kyle Tierman here. I'm in Cape Town. I was the only journalist in northern Nigeria. Not an adventure until you get lost in Tijuana. You get caught inside by a giant wave, you feel really alone. I love the adventure of waking up and not knowing what will happen and that being my job. I'm standing at a desert oasis right now. A lot of tourists don't see this part of Bali. Smiles and thumbs up. Thumbs up. What's your last few weeks been like, man? You got yeah. surgery. You've been going on some trips. I want to hear about this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, thanks to you, I, uh, I, um, I did. I went to Costa Rica to Rhythmia. Um, and anyone, anyone that's been listening to this podcast will know what that's all about. But um, so yeah, basically, I went and did um, ayahuasca and um, did the whole the whole week there. And had a pretty, pretty, um, pretty amazing experience. I mean, I didn't have the, I will say I, I didn't have that, the full wow moment, um, or I guess what they called the, you know, the miracle, you know, um, I felt like I needed maybe a couple of more ceremonies to, I felt like I was right there. Um, I was still trying to understand how to talk to her you know what I mean? and and stuff but yeah it was it was a pretty amazing experience so I, i've just been uh, ever since listening to your podcast and listening to that you know um i've really wanted to go and try it out and just um why um god i just think that you know we've all got issues in our life you know like i'm no different than anyone else you know like there's certain certain things that i've wanted to clean up in my life you know um and uh and just nearly like a nearly just press a reset button in in a sense you know um you know i've had have had injuries um you know like i've just i've suffered with a little i would say i've suffered with a, a little bit of depression in the last few years just with um and i think it's come from come from my injury and not being able to um yeah my whole life has been about I've been active and exercising and and training and like working out really hard and stuff and I and I really have noticed how much I've missed that with my shoulder the last you know four to five years not being able to work out and and I feel like at certain moments in that time I've I've sort of um yeah got myself depressed about that and but not really I don't know it's it's weird like I've I haven't really thought I've been depressed, but looking back now, I realize I probably was. Um, and you know, and just making some stupid, doing some stupid shit, like just as, as much as like going drinking and not coming home till three in the morning. I've got two kids and stuff, you know, like just stuff like that, that that mightn't seem like the biggest deal in the world. But, but for me, like, I just, I just don't want to do that anymore. You know what I mean? But then, but then I'd find my, find my like self like in no rhyme or reason like just going going to get some food down the street and then seeing someone and they're having a beer and i'm having a beer and i don't get home to two (laughs) o'clock you know what i mean like just random stupid stuff like that that i just want to just want to clean up and um and i just i don't know like i just wanted to get a clearer view of my path maybe of what you know like where where i'm headed and and just be a better dad better 
better husband, better friend, you know, and I felt like from what I understood with ayahuasca, like I felt like I could um, tap tap into that, you know, tap deeper into my soul a little bit and just find out, um, you know, maybe why I'm doing some things that I'm doing and why I'm um, feeling some feelings, you know, and stuff like that. So, I don't know, just really be open to something different. You know, I've never really done anything like that in my life. Yeah, you know? you've never really done... I haven't like, done any psychedelics and stuff like that. I've never done mushrooms. Um, so um, it was sort of scary to, you know, I was sort of... I, yeah, describe the situation. Yeah, I, I, I would say I was really open to it. Like I was super excited. I mean, I've been speaking to you about it the last few months, like, hey, I, I want to do this and... Um, just trying to work out the right time to go and do that was, um, was tough with the, with the family and stuff, but, but I, I booked my shoulder surgery and I thought what perfect way to go into this, to then go into, cause to go into Rhythmia, like, um, the best way to go in is super healthy and super clean, good intentions, clear mind. So I, I'd given myself like a couple of weeks, you know, like my diet was on point. I, I fasted. I'd done a juice cleanse for five days before I went. I'd had a few colonics before I, I left. I was in a, you know, family was awesome. Um, I knew I was getting my surgery done. And I'm like, this is a perfect time to get to go and do this. And um, so um, basically you know, called the Rhythmia guys up last minute, said, hey, is there a spot? They're like, yeah, there's a spot left. You know, paid the, you know, paid the cash, went in and um, and just, yeah, went in with a real open mind about what was going to happen, you know, and uh, and it was, it was, it was crazy. I just, um, my biggest fear was that it wasn't going to work on me, you know, like I, I'm not sure why I thought that, but like um, I have a high tolerance like for everything in my life I've done, like just pain tolerance, just, you know, going out and just drinking and stuff, you know, I have a high tolerance of shit and whether that's good or bad, like I don't know. It is what it, it is. It is what it is. And, 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 and being honest with myself about certain things too and just being like, you know, like, okay, like, I, so I just felt like I didn't know if this, my, I wanted it to work and I really was hoping it would and, but going into it, I um, I was like, man, what am I going to be that one? Because you know, there's that one percent of people that just go to sleep and wake up and nothing happens, you know, in the ceremonies. So, but um, so yeah, so I went in with an open mind, but it was just, it was really um, describe the situation a bit. Yeah, it was. Well, you go, you go to Rhythmia, and it's um, it's just like really amazing, like health retreat, and uh, just you know, we had about fifty people in our in our group um you know you go in and i think the first night you do the the breathing technique um which which was pretty cool but again like i, I didn't i didn't get anything it was weird because I've, I've known how to breathe i've done some some of that work before but i didn't get the um i didn't get what everyone else was getting out of the breathing you know so that initially put me on the back foot of like oh um met, you know in the back of my mind like is this gonna work you know and then so you get a couple of days there to get into it. Um, you know, you realize the first ceremony is on a um, on the Monday night, and you go. You basically, you know, they tell you all about how it's going to work, um, the process of the ceremony with the shaman. Um, you know, and uh, I don't know. Basically, just give you the tools of how to understand going in with your intentions, what your intentions are going to be. 
um you know so and then you know it gives you a day or two to sort of just I, I think just get your head around you know going in with the intention so what was your intention uh, my intention was um i guess i had a, I had a bunch of them and then when you get there they you know the three uh the three intentions they have on the wall i think up there was um um heal my heart um please merge me back with my soul at any at any cost and then um show, uh, no show me the first one show me who i've become merge me back with my soul or cost then heal my heart and so basically they said go into the first one with um just show me who i've become which is a sort of a an overall style sort of opinion but it's really like for me i was like it was sort of rang true to me it was like yeah yeah i'd like to show me who i've become you know what i mean because i felt like i've sort of got off track on a few things um in my life that i wanted to bring back in and um so i just went in with that intention the first night i didn't want to overthink it because i'm a bit of an overthinker sometimes so i went in with like yeah just just show me who i've become and um real simple just focus on that one thing and, and see what and, and see what happened you know and um god man it's 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 just a crazy it's a crazy experience a crazy trip you know like i i got to um you know going back to the shaman being in the room and then doing the um uh the the, 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 what's the, 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 the icarus the, the, the icarus the tobacco um, yeah the uh the um, um hoppe or the yeah. rappe Ra- the rappe yeah. yeah you know so they they so, <laughs> yeah you, you go <laughs> yeah so it's a uh it's i don't want to say it's like a blow dart gun but it's like a <laughs> mini blow dart gun and, they blow and, tobacco and, up and there's nose. a little yeah tobacco powder <laughs> that they'll blow up your nose and whoo it burns but the point the the goal of it is to just center yourself and get you on that frequency Uh, and a lot of people find it to be really helpful before using ayahuasca and a lot of people use rape um just on a daily basis yeah as um a way to kind of tune tune back into that yeah i I didn't that was one thing that surprised me when i first got in there because i didn't i didn't see that coming i just thought okay we're gonna through the ayahuasca yeah. and then but but i was like well here i am i'm, I'm in it i want to be totally i don't want to not do that or i'm like i'm here for the full experience i want to get it all and so yeah you start off with that and burns a little bit um and then you sit you know sit down again and really focus on yourself because you've got basically um 50 mattresses in the room all set up in this real beautiful room and it's you walk in and you've got a bucket toilet paper and your bed and you're like oh wow this should be fun <laughs> we're here for a party <laughs> oh yeah it's a party and they go here's the toilets there's two there don't lock them in case you can't get out <laughs> it's just like wear loose clothing so you can pull those things down really fast and um and so yeah so you, you go in with it you're like wow this is going to be a trip and um and then you know you the, the shaman will go through um the process of um the ceremony and then you know, the, the the helpers are there as well. And then you sort of yeah you do the repay, and then you'll sit there for you know thirty minutes. The first the first serving will come up, and then you'll go up, basically um, you know really focusing on you know setting your intentions with the medicine, and uh, you take your first shot. And it's really like taking a shot. You it's literally a shot glass um, of the 
you know, of the ayahuasca, of the different medicine. You know, and the the thing with the medicines is there are four different styles. Each the first one is um, I think it was Peruvian. Then there's a Costa Rican blend, and then there's a um, Colombian blend. So there's all different um, ones each night are different. But uh, yeah, getting back to that, it was um, you do the first one, you see how that um, you go back to your bed, you see how that affects different people. You know, people start purging straight away. Um, some people are throwing up straight away. Some people go into the toilet. Some people sweat. It's, uh, the purging can be a lot of different things. For me, I um, I twitched like um, like I had um, Tourette syndrome. Like I was like just like that was my purging for, for whatever reason. Um, I don't know if it was all the bad things I've done in my life getting like coming out of me. Like that's sort of what it felt like for me. Like it felt like that like all my sins and all my everything I've done in my entire life was like fighting like I was fighting maybe if like not letting go and but I was fighting it but it was fighting and I was just twitching and and so like I I, that, I did that for three nights like I twitched a lot like where I couldn't stop like and my friends next to me is looking at me and I'm like looking at him like twitching like just did you have any kind of mantra that you were going back to when that was happening um was it that or was it the like i want to show me who i've become mantra do you think about that throughout the evenings i did i you know i listened to you when when you went in there car and i I remember i text you just before i left i was like hey like and um and we have a couple mutual friends that have gone as well and i was i text was texting them and they gave me some good advice too but i um you know I, i remember you saying that you had um you asked the you asked her to be gentle to you in the way that it come across. I was the opposite. I was like, "Give it to me hard. I w- I'll take me to the dark place. Like I'm here. I wanna I wanna delve into it. You know. Like, for me, it was really like I wasn't scared to go to that place. You know. And um, it, so the first night I I saw the grid. Um, I saw a, a, a basically a uh, a spider web around the whole room. Is this pink pink like electric fence spider web that had little silver diamonds like all through the um all through the the grid and when i looked around that's all i could see and the people i could see were um all i could see was um like a ghost-like um outline but energy like energy of the outline of the people but i couldn't see them like as a as a whole, but I could see them as just the energy form and the outline of human beings. And, um, but I didn't at that stage, the first night, I, I didn't understand that I could, um, like nearly, you can, you can talk your way through the journey and go into different places. So, I, so I could have sort of been, I, I could have sort of sunken into the, into that web and then, and then like got deeper into it. But I, at that stage, I was just so freaked out. Not, not freaked out, I was so tripped out that I'm like, like, what am I seeing? Like, I'm just, I can't focus on anyone. I'm seeing this like... Yeah, like, yeah at the moment when you close your eyes, you rub your eyes, you oh, no. open them and it's still there. Yeah, oh, that, I did man. that so many times <laughs> in that thing. And then, um, and then at that stage, that, that was the... Um, so that was after my second, my second shot and... The, the shaman comes up to me because I'd spoken to the shaman before the ceremony and told him, I said, look, I'm, I'm worried that I have a high tolerance of things and this is not going to. So I'd sort of like, 
gone in and said, hey, like, don't be scared to... Give it to me. To push me, yeah. you know. And um, so at that stage, the uh, Mark, the shaman, comes up and goes, tap me on the shoulder. And I looked at him and I was like, I felt like it was like I, I was a kid, like so drunk and I'd been caught by the police and I'm, and I'm about to go do a DUI test. Because <laughs> I said to him, I said, no, I'm not really feeling it. But at this stage, I'm <laughs> seeing this psychedelic spider web like and just like and i'm just like no no it's not really working he's like do you want another one i'm like yeah so so i basically just get up and i'm you know when you if everyone's been that you get up and you're trying to like put one foot of another and you're trying to beat the system and i'm walking up like and i'm like God, this guy's looking at me going, this guy's out of his mind, you know? So I, so I get up there, I take another shot, I go back and just, for the rest of the night, I think um, I didn't really get too much more out of it than what I did after taking the second one. But, so, I was, you know, the, the night ends, you you do the, um, the, actually the night ended and we you do the, an end of ceremony sort of... Um, decompression. Decompression. Everyone talks about what they saw, what experiences. But at this stage, I'm still Tourette'sing out in the corner. I couldn't really, I could hear what was going on, but I wasn't part of that ceremony because I was still like deep, I was still purging really bad. Um, and then, you know, the, the end of the night come, you walk outside and you know, the stars and the trees and everything just look, I mean, it looks amazing. Everything just, just is accentuated and, and is really cool. And go back to the room and sort of a little disappointed, I guess, that I, um, you know, cause you hear of everyone else's stories, but that's one thing you've got to real, but realize is that your, your journey is way different than everyone, everyone else's journey. So, um, but I woke up in the morning, I called Cassie, my wife, and I, and I was just saying, you know, like, um, I, I, I didn't really see anything. And she said, well, what was your intention? I said, well, my intention was to show me who I've become. And, um, oh, sorry. And, but I, through that night, I, did, I, was, I was seeing um, visions and shapes and colors, but none of it made sense to me. Like, there wasn't, like, I couldn't remember exactly what I'd seen when I you know after the decompression but what i saw was just a bunch of just it was craziness like it was just like and i couldn't i couldn't make two cents of it and cassie and she goes well jamie like like what's your life been like the last few years and i said well it's sort of been crazy like and a little bit like out of control and you know this and that and she's like well what did the what did that just show you like and i was like oh wow yeah, like the medicine was showing me that that this is who I've become right now. And and so I was like, oh, okay, I sort of get it now. You know, I mean, it's it's you've got to look deeper into it and deeper into the meaning. And then um, so then I started to slowly um, work out how to talk to the medicine. And um, yeah, and I had a cry the second night. Didn't really get too much out of it again. The third night was the all women's night. Um, and we did a, um, a Peruvian, um, medicine. Wow. Dude, I, I... Wait, it was an all woman's night? Yeah. The woman, the woman shaman. Oh, all women shaman. Yeah. So, okay. sorry. All gotcha. woman, all woman shaman. There was all women in the, um, room. But you um, could be there as well? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, so I'm talking about just the, um, the, yeah, the shaman, just and... the shamans and the people helping. Yeah. It was just, so it was just the different energy. And, um, but this medicine dude was crazy. Like it made... 
it was a crazy night. Like um, a lot of people went, yeah, a lot of people were out of it that night. And um, I was, I was in the abyss. I thought, I thought I was in another dimension, and I never thought I was coming back. Like I was, I was, yeah, just I was seeing. I can't. I was seeing flashbacks of my childhood, of my whole life. It felt like, but again, I can't. I don't remember specifics. Um, I just remember in the moment seeing things of from a kid to my to to now, and colors and shapes and falling through the earth into like different dimensions and not knowing if I was if this was real, if I was in a in a ceremony, what was going on, and just. It was. Was it frightening? Uh, yeah, there was moments where it was frightening for sure, and um, but it just when I came out of it, I was I was just like, I I mean I, I still I still really don't know how to explain it. Yeah, you know? it's very it, difficult, man. I mean, it, words it, are such an imperfect way to explain psychedelics. It's, it's, it's just I mean, I, you know, people are probably listening now that know me really well and is like whoa what 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 what's he talking about what what's what's happened to Jamie <laughs> you know what i mean but it was i mean the story what i got out of it too is that um a lot of like what i saw a lot, a lot of other people the people cuz you get become close with the people that are there i was room, i was rooming with this guy um you know and we become you know we we'll, we'll become be we'll be really good friends for the rest of our life just from the experience that we went through you know together and um but you know other people's experiences were so clear you know they were talking to the medicine you know when i say her the, the medicines are you know they, they respect her by calling it her the medicine so um yeah a lot of people describe it as a female, a female energy yep and and you know and just it was just um you know, I saw people change in front of my eyes, you know, and you could tell certain people, like without them saying what they were going through in their life, you could sort of tell what their issue was just from um, certain things. But, you know, people would, you know, you you have the people getting sacred surgery, um, you know, literally, literally aliens. You have two types of aliens. You have the, 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 um, the gray little ones with the arm and the eyes and you have the green, like, green martians that come down they do surgery on certain parts of people's bodies this is what you were seeing were you like, i didn't oh. see this i didn't see this at all but people were explaining it that that's what they saw right and, and it and you know and, Ger- and um gerard the guy that pal that that owns that place he um he um explains like he, people people that see he's got an ex- explanation for everything that people see and what that what it means and what you know it does and and you know these little like these people have come in with um like needing surgery and walked out being completely healed and it's these little martians come and start doing surgery on parts of your body and stuff it's that is one of the craziest things about it yeah i mean it's, it's yeah i mean you <laughs> could you could you could talk five hours about it you know and and but and we're still like the blind mice trying to describe an elephant, right? Like, oh, it's a tusk, it's a sword. Like, no, it's a big pillar, uh, and that's where it is. And it's different for everyone. And yeah. when we're talking about all these highly visual trips that yeah. I, I've gone on, you're going on, it's all metaphor, yeah. right? Like, I don't actually differentiate between being like, this is what I saw and this is real, or no, that was a, a hallucination. It doesn't really matter because we 
we operate in metaphors. And when you're saying that there are these different blends of ayahuasca, so the active ingredient in ayahuasca is dimethyltryptamine. And ayahuasca is actually a vine, and they mix it in a brew with various plants Plants. that are high in dimethyltryptamine. So various cultures have been using ayahuasca for a long time. So, for example, like the acacia plant uh, is high in dimethyltryptamine, but there are a number of different other ones that create these different kinds of blends, and certain blends have... um, have a tendency to make people feel a certain kind of thing. But the the strange and fascinating thing about ayahuasca to me is that you can go in to a ceremony with a few different, with a number of different people and you can all have dramatically different experiences. Someone could be talking to the moon. Someone could have a shoulder injury and yeah. feel like their shoulder is literally being healed. I have a friend who's a very straight um, a firefighter and he's had a shoulder injury and he said he used ayahuasca and he, his shoulder literally started moving and like popping and cracking. And he felt like he worked out this longstanding injury. Um, you know, and people can also go in and, and drink ayahuasca and not feel anything. Yeah. I never got, see, I never got the, um, I never saw the Martians. I never had the sacred <laughs> surgery, yeah. you know, cause my shoulder was jacked. I was going in the surgery. So I was really hoping that that was the case too. I didn't expect to be totally healed, but you know, like I was really hoping to, to, to see some, like my sternum as well, still giving me some issues. So I was like thinking, oh, maybe, you know, but, but that wasn't, that wasn't the plan for me, you know, and that's what I learned, you know, like, and, um, you know, other people, uh, you know, there was people that are addicted to, um, you know, just tablets and stuff that went in there that have come out feeling like amazing. I mean, there's just all sorts of different things that people are dealing with that go in and you see them um, come out a different person, you know. And um, it's, you know, the just the whole, for me, just the whole ceremony, um, the shamans just seeing how much, like, what they put into the healing process um for me was just an amazing journey and um it's the last night you know they call it a celestial party and that was one of the best nights i've had in my life you know like it just the the medicine was a really um balanced throughout the night it didn't there wasn't this crazy like the the night before when i was like just am i like down in some other like you know like universe i'm never coming back style feeling to like just being this this real level all night you know they're playing live music you know the shaman you know we got us into the um healing circle and he you know he spent time on on you know healing you and stuff and just then waking you know watching the sun come up and you know the music and just it was just you know it was just something that i've never really been open to before in my life and and um and i'm really really proud of myself that i was that i was like you know what i'm gonna go here and not have any expectations i don't have any um i just open mind just went with an open mind and was really open to how it was going to happen to me but but i really want to i as soon as i left i want to go back like I, I really, I, I really would like to go back, and I felt like I was close to, um, close to a really, um, 
miracle you know in, in a sense for me like i was like i instead of four days i think i need an extra two or three tapped on the end of it for me to get to a point where i was not manipulating the medicine but being able to maneuver where i wanted to go with it and um and not only that i i also to me i i think i'd like to i don't know if i'm gonna pronounce it right but the aboga aboga yeah yeah i think that i'd like to potentially go that route as well at some stage and try that yeah um, so aboga is an african psychedelic that yeah. has I, I haven't used aboga um i've used ayahuasca probably six times at this yeah. point and yeah i find too you know what you were talking about around your first journey feeling like you didn't really get everything you wanted out of it but then seeing it through a different prism and saying like whoa maybe that that was exactly what i needed out of it i think that a lot of the learning and real benefit of psychedelics it's kind of the boring stuff that happens after the fact right like it's not the fireworks show when i saw this serpent come down into my soul and was you know up talking to the stars it's like it's the basic thought patterns that we have when we're driving through traffic it's the ways that we treat people it's the small decisions that we make in our life and i think that one reason that I I think that psychedelics are so helpful for so many people is that they give you a sense of yourself devoid of ego. Yeah. Like, who am I? Like, you, you realize, at least for me, I've realized that I am not the sum of my personality and things that I've done. Yeah. Like, there's something there's something deeper than that and there's something more grounded than that. And there's something that like, even if I'm not Kyle, there's, there's something that still exists beyond the, my accolades and my friends and, and who I've become. And I think that that's, that can be really helpful for people. It it breaks, it breaks, it breaks you down in a way. And you know, the ego and everything like that, like, you know, like for me, like I, I spoke the last night, I spoke to the shaman and, um, you know, we had a really good conversation and he's asking like, you know, how the whole week had been and how was to the last night. And, and I, you know, and I was honest with him. I said, look, you know, like it's been, all, it's been amazing. It really has been like, have I got exactly everything that I, that I thought I wanted out of it? No, but you know, and he's like, Jamie, you know, like he goes, um, this is deeper. This is, he goes, this is going past your parents, past your grandparents, parents, you know, this is going to your ancestors 10,000 years ago and they're protecting you right now. You know, they're protecting you from the pain that, that you potentially want to feel. He goes, but he goes, you have, uh, uh, such a strong connection with the water, the ocean. He goes, and he goes, you, what you're going to feel is it's like you just said, he goes, you're going to feel it down, down the track in, your, in the months and the years coming ahead. Like you might not right now, but you'll be in a situation and your chain of thought, what it used to be, will not be like that potentially. And then, and then you'll, be, you'll be able to realize and go, oh, wow, like you, you'll know that that's where that's come from, you know, is that from, from what you went through through those four days, you know. So, um, so yeah, I, I, um, I, let go of, I, I let go of that whole like, comparing what other people were were seeing and and feeling to just like hey this is this is my trip this is my journey it's different the way i've done things in my life anyway has been way outside the box and different than any other person anyway so what's why is it different now you know and um but um but yeah i'm it was awesome i recommend it i 
you know, to I'm going to recommend it to a lot of my friends, a lot of people that I feel I could benefit from doing that. And um, it's just a real eye opener and just um, puts you outside your, your comfort zone and, your, and the, what, you're, what you're used to. And um, I feel like we need to do that more in our life than not. Yeah, man, we can go years without spending any time reflecting and diving deep. And I think that just spending a week... So Rhythmia, the place that we're talking about, is technically a medical center. Yeah. So you can't just go in for a day. No. And you, you have to spend a week um, diving deep. And I think that the medicine can help fast track you there. But I think that also just spending a week asking those big questions, yeah. even if you're not open to psychedelics, even if you just want to do breath work, is so beneficial to people. And I also think that it's really important to... You know, my, my friend, uh, Dr. Jim Fadiman, I've had him on the podcast a couple of times. He does a lot of research on the, um, the psychedelic, the benefits of um, psychedelic mushrooms. Yeah. Um, and he says, you know, psyching up for a psychedelic experiment is a lot like psyching up for an athletic event. It's like, so no one really knows exactly what psyching up for an athletic event means, but it means you take it seriously, seriously yeah. you know? So I think that, uh, it's important as Westerners. And I imagine most of the people who are listening to this as West are Westerners. I think it's important that we don't see ayahuasca as this magic pill as we've you know but doctors and and advertisers have always tried to sell us i'm like hey, this yeah. is the magic pill well, it's this the exact will- opposite right because that's what we're trying to get away from Ex- like the op- like you know like the iboga and the ayahuasca has been known for great for the opiates right like to get people off the opiate addiction and stuff like that as well you know like it's not <laughs> yeah we we live in a day and age where everyone wants everything now give me that I'll take it. It's going to fix me now. Like, and I feel like the ayahuasca trip was you, you get to see yourself. You get to potentially see a lot of stuff that you don't like about yourself, but then you get to work on it. And then, and then it's an ongoing thing. Like, like for me, it's like, Oh, I didn't go to, I to do this and just to be healed of everything that I wanted to heal. Like I realized the journey is still ahead of me, but this is a really good start you know, to understand where I'm at. And like, for me, like, I feel like, I feel like ayahuasca is going to be something that I'd like to do a few times a year, like to just, to ground me, to, to, um, to keep me on the path that I want to be on. And just, um, and I feel like that could be a part of my life for, yeah. for, until I die. You know what I mean? Like, and, and, and I'm, and I'm totally open to that. Maybe it won't be, Maybe I'll get to a point where I'm I'm happy in that, but like I feel like I definitely feel like if someone said you could go to Rhythmia in like next month, I'd be there. Yeah, you know, because I still feel like I've got some work to do. So yeah, I think it's a balance between using the tool and doing the work. Yeah, right. Because you see people who are seminar junkies, and you see people who have done ayahuasca two hundred times. And they still, you know, they've gotten the message, but they haven't hung up the phone, so to speak. Yeah. Right. And I, so I think that it's this balance of doing the difficult work on a daily basis to just become less shitty people, right? Like that's what we're going for. Be, be a better person. We're just trying to not be so shitty. Yeah. And, and, uh, I use, yeah, I use psychedelics yeah. a few times a year and I find that it can, it's really helped me. Um, and I find also that, uh, there are a lot of parallels between psychedelics and 
big wave surfing. Um, I think that one of the reasons that I am drawn to big wave surfing and just drawn to hanging out with people like you is that there is something about big wave surfing where you're really trying to dig into something deeper. Yeah. Like you can't fake it when no. you're when you're underwater and you're in as lonely a place as anyone has been. All you're left with is that conversation with yourself. Yeah. And I think that when you are in ceremony and you're in a completely another dimension, yeah. all you're left with is is yourself. Yeah. So what's that conversation going to sound like and how can you become a better friend to yourself. Yeah. Look, at the end of the day, like if my intention going to Rhythmia was very simple to become a better person. And, and for me that, that to be a better person, you can dive off into a million different little ways to be a better person. But I know if, for me, if, if I can come out to be just a better human being for to myself to love myself more to be a better person then i'm going to be a better dad to my daughters i'm going to be a better husband to my wife and i'm going to be a better friend um and and that's that's really all you can ask for i'm going to be a better human being i'm going to make better decisions and that's really you know really that was the pretty simple reason for me going you know is just to become a better person and I think that's I think everyone can I think everyone wants to be a wants to improve and be a better person you know I think yeah. if we all did that the world would be a better place you know yeah and there are these tools available that for pretty much since the beginning of culture psychedelics have been revered as some of the greatest teachers available yeah. And really only in the last hundred years have we put psilocybin mushrooms uh, in the same category as heroin and mm. labeled them a schedule one drug where you can go to jail for using these substances. And I, I just think, like, look, I don't have the answers, but I know that we have oversimplified and quite frankly incorrect views of a lot of shit in the world and i think that psychedelics are one of them um and so let's just get, let's keep talking about it yeah you know yeah, that's, I, and that's all you can do i mean i you know the the the, the last night that we i was talking about they call it the celeste because we had a really radical night on the wednesday night and so um they're like trying to explain to a lot of the a lot of the people in our group that because because it's tough don't get me wrong it's not this like you go and just have these epic dreams and everything it's it, the four days in a row can be tough for a lot of people and um and rough the, the the second the last night was a really rough night in our group for a lot of people and uh so the way they explained our last night was gonna it was gonna be this celestial party and um which sounded pretty cool but um but it, it was like i I can't even remember the last time that I've like been awake when the lights come up, the sun's coming up, that it's been a fun time. <laughs> you know, usually when the sun's coming up and you're getting home or whatever, it's, you're not in a good place. And, um, but I was watching the sun come up, you know, you're, you're, you're on the medicine. So you're definitely not in a 
clear state of mind you know what i mean i mean you're clear but you're you're definitely i don't know if high is the right word but you're the medicine's taking effect you know and and you're sitting there and the the the, the guy the shaman and the guys are playing music and everyone's smiling and 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 you just and you've you've been up for 12 hours and you're not tired and you just and then um then the once the ceremony's over like i just went and had i went and had breakfast and stayed up all day and and was like and i just was like wow that was um that was such an amazing experience for me like to you know like i said like i you know usually usually if it's five or six in the morning and you're still awake like Shit's, yeah, shit's not a good night. Shit's not good, you know. Yeah. Like it's you've made some bad decisions. I hate myself right now. Yeah, you know where I'm this. Where I, and I real, I had that moment where I just, um, I sat there. I'm like, I was like, wow, like, um, this is, this is awesome. Like I really, that that to me that was sort of like my my more like wow moment. And then at that time too, like I looked over. And I saw um, some of the girls that were in the thing still doing some of the, the, the rapai um, at like seven in the morning because it's a real cultural thing for them too, you know. And, and then I just looked over and saw that and I, and I was like – and I nearly made me throw up because I'm like – like it felt like for me like that was – that I looked at that and went, oh, that, that would be me indulging still at this time of the morning, you know. And I, and I was just like – I can't think of anything worse right now than doing that. Like I, I want to be where I'm at right now. Like it felt like I was waking up early. I just w- worked out. I'd had an amazing surf session and I was going home to eat breakfast. Yeah. Like, except I'd been up all night on psychedelics and you know what I mean? So, yeah. but, it, but it, there was this shift of momentum f- for me where I was like, this is where I want to be. I don't want to be there. And so I'm yet to test the test the boundaries of that yet, you know what I mean? Like but but I just you know, there was a couple of moments there where I was just like, This is yeah, this is something so far out of what I thought I'd ever do in my life, like try a psychedelic or a plant medicine or something like that 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 um but it was one of the most amazing experiences of my life. So it is wild that it exists, man. The yeah. guy, uh Gerard, who you were talking about, I think it's worth telling the story because uh Iboga is a psychedelic that is can be specifically used for people who are addicted to yeah. opiates. Yeah. And it is one of the most effective ways to get people off of opiates. So this guy, Gerard, uh, he owned the largest plastic surgery company yeah. in the world at one point. And he had you know, 20 Ferraris and this huge house in Malibu, and he was an alcoholic, and he was addicted to Demerol, and he self-described as an asshole. Oh, yeah. He, 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 when he first, the first meeting we had, he just straight up, like, just, I was a wife beater, I was a cocaine addict, I was a sex addict, just, and he just said, I was, I was a horrible human being. Yeah, he and was, he was going in and out of uh, Passages, which is a Malibu rehab center, yeah. um, and the administrative director at Passages is a guy named Dr. Jeff yeah. McNary, yeah. I don't know if you met him, yeah, yeah, he's, I met a, Dr. Jeff. he's a legend. Anyway, uh, rehab centers in America have something like a 13% success, success rate, yeah. which is like 13% of people who are addicts are sober one year later. It's embarrassingly low because drugs are powerful, man. Yeah. And 
what happened was this guy Jerry was in and out. He he gained this friendship with Jeff, and through the experience, at one point Jerry went down to Costa Rica. This is way before Rhythmia existed, and he used Iboga, and he had this experience where it got him off of Demerol, off of alcohol, and completely changed his life. And he went back to this guy, Dr. Jeff McNary, and it was like, you got to try this out. Well, you need to know about this. You're an addiction expert. Check this out. And they saw the efficacy of using a a boga to get people off of opioids. And through that next year, um, Jerry had a number of psychedelic experiences that showed him that he was going to create Rhythmia. Mm-hmm. You know, he had a hundred million dollars, more money than he knew what to do with, but had no idea what he was going to do with his life. And he said that through these experiences, the medicine told him where he was going to get the property, how much he was going to get the property for, yeah. what it was going to look like. Yeah. And in the last few years, he's created this center um, that is one of the only places where you can legally use psychedelics. Um, and in addition to that, you know, there's massage, colonics, breath work, and it's it's just amazing that the place exists. It's, I mean, you, you, if someone blindfolded you, put you on a plane, and you went there and you jumped off, you'd be like, oh, yeah, I'm in um, Malibu. Yeah. Like, I mean, the, the, the place is world class. Like, the accommodations, everything is like, the property is amazing, and just where it is, it's, I mean, again, you know. He was speaking to the moon and the, and, the, <laughs> and the moon told him and here we are talking about it, doing it. And, yeah. you know, like, I mean, his, his story, I mean, his, you know, I'm not, I don't want to go into it too much, but his first experience with the moon going back and forth and his grandfather and, you know, the story probably and just. Yeah. Well, he had an experience on a boga where he's so what what ayahuasca and what aboga can do is it it literally upregulates your neurochemistry and it allows you to see back into places in your mind and and connect these synapses that haven't been connected before and it can bring up memories that you forgot existed and this guy jerry talks about um he told the story on my podcast that when he was six years old he was molested by his grandfather grandfather. and that that was the reason for I mean, the question that he asked was, why am I so fucked up? Yeah. And it took him right there. It took him to that moment. And it, it the, he was talking to the moon. The moon flew him down. He was in his grandfather's um, house. And he's and, and, the, sh- and the, the moon told him to open up the door. And when he opened up the door, he saw himself being molested by his grandfather. Yeah. Fucking heavy, dude. Fucking heavy. Heavy, you know. And, um, and then... And then he was like, no, no, this is that, you know, like, and then, you know, for, and then all of a sudden he's like, well, do you want to talk to your grandfather? And then he's like, yeah. So then he, the, he, he's in the situation where he's talking to his grandfather on his deathbed and he asks him why. And the grandfather just basically tells him to go F himself, you know, like this and that. And then the grandfather breaks down and says, I'm sorry. And, and then he realized that, that his grandfather had done it to him. You know, it's just, and the one thing I did realize, sort of learnt in the whole process was that um, every, every, all the issues, nearly everything that we have going on in our life comes, stems from our childhood, you know, and they're suppressed, 
you know, everything that we've like, that was one thing getting back to myself was I don't have a really great memory of my childhood for, for whatever reason. Like I, my parents were amazing and you know, like I, but I just don't really remember much of my childhood, you know, and I've done some really cool stuff, you know, but, um, so that was something I wanted to de- delve into too, but that was at the back of my list of shit that I wanted to get into. But, um, but you suppress your memories from your childhood and, and a lot of that stuff. And that's where, you know, you can bring up and people don't even realize certain stuff have happened to them in their life until they, they see it. And then, then you're able to go back and in blocks of time and work it out that, you know, cause I'm sure a lot of people would just go, no, this is a, this is not true. This is a vision. And then you work it back and you realize that, holy shit, like this is, this really happened to me or this is what happened, you know? And, um, so I don't know, it's, 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 it's sort of, it's, it's heavy, it's scary, but I, I feel like it's liberating, you know, to, to really work out what's, what's going on or what happened. So you came back from Rhythmia and then you just had so- yeah. shoulder surgery. So I had shoulder surgery one week ago. And, um, so basically, um, the shoulder has been giving me, I heard it in a wipeout in Cal Bommie a few years ago where I hurt my, i done my MCL, my elbow and my shoulder. And then, um, and then I've just been dealing with it and it's been, I've had stem cells, I've had, um, PRP put in it. Um, I've just tried to not sort of get the surgery, you know, but, um, but anyway, it's just been bothering me for, for a long time. And I decided that, um, I was ready to be done with it. You know, I just really wanted to get back to being a hundred percent and being able to work out and this and that. So yeah, that was the whole plan. Do the rhythmia, come back, be really like mentally in a good state of mind, healthy so I can heal as fast as I can. So um, I had a yeah, Dr. Snibby in um, uh, Beverly Hills done the surgery last Friday. I'm now like nine days post-op. And as you can see, Kyle, I'm... Um, oh, got, it's getting up got, there. Got some pretty decent range of movement. The, the one thing I do is my bicep tendon was... Um, and I actually did that at the last contest at Nazare. I was grab, going to grab for the sled. And, um, and, you know, when you grab for the sled sometimes, you know, you're not, you don't have perfect like control. Like if the ski takes off and you, you're not like solid, it just yanks. It yanks you, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I yanked and I felt something pop, but it wasn't painful. It wasn't super painful or anything. And I didn't think too much of it. So, um, I didn't really see the doctor or anything or anything like that because I was like, ah, it's just add it to the list of my shoulder, you know, and, um, and anyway, so I went and had another MRI and, um, realized that my bicep tendon had, was basically, um, was frayed and, and and had snapped, which funnily enough, doesn't hurt in your real bicep area. It's more up, the bicep tendon runs right up into your shoulder. So, so basically I had to get that, um, cut and reattached, um, AC joint got, um, shaved down to give me some more room and then my what the real issue has been has been my rotator cuff which from an earlier MRI a few years ago I thought I had tears in and that's why I didn't get it fixed earlier because a rotator cuff tear can take six to nine months but I didn't have a tear it was just um had all this swelling and inflammation and impingement so he went in there and basically just cleaned all that out and um shaved off around the ball area of my um of my um 
rotator cuff. Rotator cuff. Yeah. And gave me more space. So he seems to think that um, the surgery went awesome. Um, I went in, my stitches got taken out in six days. He was pretty impressed with where I was at with my recovery so far. And um, yeah, I've got a guy called um, Dr. G um, that is here in Newport and I go to see him every morning um, for about three hours a morning. And I'm just... Um, haven't been working on so much on range of movement yet, just like a lot of electromagnetic therapy, um, the magnet, um, some, um, you know, uh, stimulation stuff just to sort of get everything going again. So, but I'm, I'm, I'm so excited right now, like just to not be paddling at 50% yeah, or whatever just, you were. Just, I just haven't been the same. Like I just, I, I know I've been nursing it. I know I've been, I know I was one bad wipeout away from probably really destroying my shoulder, you know, and so that was always in the back of my mind, like, do I take the time off, get it done before it gets too bad, or do I just keep going until I totally blow it out and just deal with it then? And that was sort of my mindset for the last few years. I'm just going to, you know, because I worked so hard to get on tour and I was on tour and I was, you know, trying to do that, but then I felt like I've been like a little bit of a passenger, um, as in not not being able to give 100 percent. so so anyway i'm here i am i'm in this moment and i'm just super pumped that in a couple of months i'm gonna be like back to pretty close to full 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 health and um full strength in my shoulder and it's crazy to think about how like i was thinking about this on the way over the fact that there probably aren't many people who take more who have taken more paddle strokes <laughs> yeah. in their life than you yeah like well, the, think about just the amount of th- that repetitive movement that yeah. you've done over your life when you were deep in the paddleboard game and yeah. then that straight into big wave surfing well you, people don't realize like i like i that's and that's been since i was like six years old not you just, started paddling when you were six i was started swimming and paddling when i was six seven years old like so basically for 30 plus years, like, and I, I mean, I swam from, from like 11 and 12 years old. Like I was swimming three to four, th- three to five times a week, swimming like three to four miles a day, like right up until my early twenties. Then that backed off a little bit through Molokai, like, but my paddling went more. I was paddling like 50, 60 miles a week on top of swimming, like maybe 10 to 12 miles a week for those 10 years I did Molokai and then um and then just in between just surfing and and was your shoulder giving you issues when you were doing the Molokai uh no no and the doc told me he goes Jamie your rotator cuff looks amazing he goes you've got some real he goes you've got some amazing genes he goes your tendons your ligaments he goes take away the inflammation and stuff he goes as good as as good as you could ask for so that felt really good to hear that too, you know, because I thought, ah, uh, what's my shoulder going to look like, you know, after everything. And and I've just, um, yeah, I've had really good flexibility in my shoulders my whole life as well. So I've known, I've had friends that have needed full, recon- had full reconstruction in their shoulders like, like before they were 25, you know. So for whatever reason. But that, that must have been frustrating though, having the last few years doing the big wave thing going as fully into it as you did and still knowing in the back of your mind first that you, you can't paddle at a hundred percent which is a huge advantage that you have over other surfers and that you can't train the way that you're used to training yeah like uh, well i would say I, I would 
I would say in the moment of that, like say at Mavs, like that initial, like when you like commit to going, that's that you, you're just ripping in. I wouldn't say I suffered in that department. Like I would say like um, I wasn't a hundred percent, like that'd be sort of making an excuse, but like, but just um, longevity in the water, um, just the um, how uncomfortable it was just generally um surfing like like for me like my my training ground sunset so you do a lot of paddling at sunset just how long i could surf for like i couldn't go and surf for five or six hours straight my arm wouldn't allow allow me to do that um so just things like that and and, and i think that's where like going back to like a little bit of that depression as well sitting in because i you know like usually i could go to jaws and say and just jump in the water at eight and be done at four and not have a break whereas now i need to surf for two hours come in give much you know stretch hang a little bit you know have some food go back out and um you know mavericks with the wetsuits and the cold and stuff i really only had one session in me like three to maybe three to four hours depending on the weather you know and that was it i was i was done so things like that like i'm looking forward to getting back to where i was before before that and um so um, it, it's exciting, man. That is exciting. Yeah. What do you think that you ha- have done differently than other people to be able to excel so quickly in the big wave game? Um, I think um, so. A lot of people have been asking me lately about um, like what I might try. I get a lot of questions a lot about training, what I do, breath holds, all this stuff. And to be honest, I don't do any. I don't do any training for my breathing or breath hold work or anything like that. Um, I I don't know if I'd, we mentioned this in the last podcast. Like I, I had asthma as a kid, like real bad, real bad asthma as a kid. So coming full circle now, I believe asthma um, has made me um, – asthma has got me to where I am. Asthma got me in the swimming, got me in the paddling got me into being in the water because it helped me open up my lungs and I learned how to breathe. Swimming swimming taught me how to breathe properly as well and asthma taught me how to conserve like my breasts when I couldn't breathe. Um, like, you know, because what happens when you get asthma, you, 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 you know, the, the, um, where, you, where the air comes out of, it shrinks, right? So if it's like 30, cent- say it's 30 centimeters, it shrinks to like 10 centimeters. So when you're breathing breathing air in, you're not getting as much as you should. Um, that's what saved my life at Porto. Like when I got hit in the sternum and I couldn't breathe. What happened? Well, I broke my sternum at um, Porto last year and um, the tail of the board in the barrel flicked and cracked me, cracked me in the sternum. And it was at the end of the day... But no one was out because it was you know the wind had just come on shore. Everyone had gone in, and it was a six foot day, six to eight foot day. Um, and I was underwater, and it got I got hit so hard it felt like I was, I felt like I'd just been hit by a truck. Like and I just I was like I couldn't couldn't breathe, basically. And um, so I pop up and I'm looking at, um, I think it was Bianca, and a couple other people, and they're looking at me. And I'm stunned. Like, I can't put my hand up. I can't talk. I can't scream. Can't ask for help. I'm just, like, in this moment of, like, like, of, like my body shut down. And 
I'm, now I'm in the recycle zone of eight foot porto, like, and I can't breathe and no one's coming to help me. Fuck. Yeah, that's the scary thing about portos. You'll get hit by a wave and then it'll suck you right back out so, to the same spot. So, hit you again, suck you so, right back out. Yeah, so instantly I think, shit, Jamie, this is really bad, you know? And then, so I went from that to like, this is everything you've been taught, everything that you've trained for your whole life. This is it right now. If you, if, if you don't get your shit together right now, you're not going to see your kids again. You know, like, and that was my, my, my chain of thought. And then, so all of a sudden I was like, okay, so then I come up, I can't breathe. I duck under a wave, get pounded, come back up again. And I'm just three or four of those waves. And I'm, I'm slowly, slowly feeling like I'm like, like, cause like I said, having asthma, I learned how to take sips of air, like enough where I can not basically die you know and then and then it was it become really clear that no one was helping me I, the lifeguards for the, the lifeguards for whatever reason didn't see me or just you know how many people they see sitting out there like that you know so and the people at the back i'm pretty sure going oh it's jamie he's okay i'm not waving or anything like he'll be fine he's just whatever and i realized i was on my own so I, and now i was like okay well i'm not gonna I've got to change something here. I'm just going to be recycled here until I die. So I basically what I did was instead of ducking under the wave, I went up with the lip and I would allow myself to get sucked over and um, kind of blasted it, blasted in. And then I did that a few times until I got right out of the impact zone. And then what I did was at Porto, if you've been there enough, you realize if you get down to the bottom, there's a lot of energy near the sand that blows you into the shore and then I re- it was very painful doing this, but it was either pain or die. And um, and then I did that a few times. That by that stage, I I was starting my my body was starting to loosen up. I was opening up a little bit more, and I I was starting to get decent enough breaths where I I knew I was out of trouble. But there was a, a moment in time there where it was really the scariest moment I've ever had in the water, you know. And um, so anyway, getting back to that again asthma saved my life asthma got me into swimming asthma the way that i had to learn how to breathe as a young kid gave me exceptionally strong lungs and diaphragm um, when i was training for molokai i got um tested by this um by um a heart doctor at a heart specialist so they tested all my lungs and my hearts and my breathing and i've got like um larger lungs and um stuff than the general human you know and um i th- and all that came from being asthmatic you know and i've just realized the last few years i piece stuff together i'm like thank you asthma like at the at the time as a kid i was i, was, I hated it. i had to carry that little blue asthma spray with me I was in hospital for weeks at a time i'd wake up in the middle of the night my parents would have to put the nebulizer on me it was it was a t- it was tough, man. As a kid, like I couldn't play like after dark. I couldn't have pillow flights because of the dust. Couldn't have pets because of the hair. It all set me off, you know. And um, and uh, but now you have asthma to think. I do. I re- I really do. Isn't it amazing how like this all the shit in our life that we like resent and like have to deal with. If we can flip that premise, yeah, 
and ask the question, okay, how can I thank this? Yeah. You know, even if it's a fucked up parent that you have and you are the way that you are because you went in the opposite direction 100%. of them, how can you thank that parent for giving you yeah. what you have now? Yeah. It's such an interesting... Ayahuasca, dude. That's it, man. I'm telling you, that's seriously. The, that's the kind of stuff I that, think that allows you to, to flip it on its head. That's the one thing that I, I feel like um, as well, like... You know, I I have a me and my brother don't talk so much anymore, and that's another th- an, added to the list of another th- a couple of things that I wanted to try and um, delve into a little bit. And um, but I feel like you know f- we all have fa- families are crazy. We all have fam- <laughs> we, we all got baggage. We've all, we've all got baggage, <laughs> yeah. right? And so I feel like that um you know I feel like that's and I think family is probably one of the highest level things that is a daily constant grind. Like even if you're not living a different continent or whatever, it's you still constantly think about like shit. Like why 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 am I not talking to him or why don't I talk to my mum or dad or or whatever it might be that people have going on, you know? And I think that I think ayahuasca, from what I can gather from what I saw from the group that I had as well, I think just that's another level of like really dialing in that stuff, you know. So, but but anyway, yeah, it's just um. Yeah, I don't know. It's uh, it's a wild world when you start uh, digging through the layers. Uh, yeah, but again, it's just being better, being open, positive, trying to trying to work it all out. But um, but yeah, the um, I can't remember what we're talking about now. Well, well we were wave. talking about family, but now we're talking yeah. about. I, I want to ask you about you know what's uh, we can wrap up here soon. But what's uh, so you're healing the shoulder, and yeah. then what is it that you want to focus on most? moving forward um i'd like to like i'm, I'm pretty um i think if my sh- if if i get back to full health um you know there's i've got some other niggling little things that are going on which i think are stemming from the shoulder or have stemmed from the shoulder so i think i want to by the time october rolls around when the tour starts again um you know i i I, I really would like, I'd like to go for a world title. I'd like to just put it out there and to myself. And I mean, obviously I've been trying to win events and go for a world title, but I really would like to just focus on that. Cause I, I feel like I've got, I feel like, like I look at Carlos, I listen to Carlos's podcast too. And, and Carlos is super in shape and super healthy and like in a good place. And he's 50. And I look at guys that are um that age that are like lead and even like, even like Pete, you know, like that are mentally still in the game at that age of surfing big waves. Like, like I feel like that I've got till 50 to, to still really push what I want to do. But then, but in but realistic terms with like family and opportunities and sponsors and, you know, and potential other injuries, I feel like I've really got to make the most of the next few years, you know, the next one, two, three years, you know, of like, and, and it's not, I don't need to win a world title would I like to? Yeah. Would I, I just like to give it my all and see where that got me. Yeah. And if, it, and if it's, and if it's fifth or sixth, like the last few years, that's fine. If it's winning a few events or this and that, you know, like that's fine. But I feel like when you put it out there and you're not, you know, like, I feel like those people are like, ah, oh, yeah. You know, if the world title comes, it'll be, you know, that don't really put it out there. Like for me, I just, I'd like to do it. I'd like to battle with Billy and the boys and, and just give it to them and just, um, and just see what I can do, you know, and, um, and whatever that is, it's his, but, um, yeah, I'm a, I like the competition, you know, and I like pushing myself. I like getting outside the comfort zone and, and, um, you know, surfing's not my, 
hasn't wasn't my number one thing growing up, you know, and it's come to me later in life, I would say. I mean, I've always surfed, but, you know, not, you know, I'd never surfed all day, every day, and that was my goal, you know. So, um, so I'm still learning, still, still getting better. Which is an advantage, you know, ta- yeah. we were just talking about flipping a disadvantage yeah. on its head and making it an advantage. You have, you still have that childlike attitude excitement and attitude towards learning that maybe if you had started getting into the junior surfing series when you were 10 years old might have been burned out of you by now totally yeah 100 percent. so like i did with the paddling you know i've sort of got burnt out from the paddling because i've done that my whole life and and i just feel like um i think that's what we're getting to before we got off tangent was the um what got me to the process of the big waves you know and what i feel my advantages i just feel like the the, the knowledge I have from the ocean, from paddling, like spending so much time just paddling downwind and surfing bumps and looking at like different things to take advantage of the ocean and, and paddling. I, I feel like that and the mental side of like my upbringing of doing some crazy races and really pushing myself mentally, I feel like um, those two things really give me, have given me a maybe a fast forward than maybe what most people could have done, you know? Um, yeah, that's interesting what you said about noticing uh, ocean swells, like even like a little wind bump. Yeah. Because those are the the little um, nuances that you need to notice in big wave surfing. Like, okay, am I going to catch this bump on top of the wave as it's going in? Or yeah. like, how did I ride that? And, and being a paddleboarder, that's one thing that you're focused on. Yeah, little chip acutely. shots. Yeah, those little chip yeah. shots. Oh, that's fascinating, man. I've yeah. never thought about yeah, that. Yeah, like uh, that that wave I got in 2015, that, um, that big morning, you know, when the Titans sort of had the wild card thing and it was like everyone was going out and sending it yep. and stuff that morning. I paddled out. That was the first wave I got that day when I chipped in on that second reef. And you did that big bottom turn and <laughs> six-story building just yeah. fell down on you. I was yeah. sitting in the boat on that one. Yeah, so like that, um, <laughs> that was a chip shot. Yeah. You know, that was a, um, like I remember Dorian because like I, we'd all come out in the what boat was that? Were you on the was the boat that nearly went in the bowl when Healy jumped? Yeah, out? I was on the same yeah, boat. Yeah, we're all on the same boat, right? So like, so basically, like when I mean, I was so excited that day. Like, so basically, I think most people were just checking it out, and I literally remember Bob was on the boat Pearson, and, and um, and I had a ten ten, brand new ten ten, and a nine ten, and a, a ten o from, I think it was John Henderson from Strive, and um, and I was about to jump out in the nine ten. And um, I was ready to go, and um, and he goes, Jamie, he goes, you sure you want to take the nine ten? I'm like, oh, he goes, just remember, like it's it's a paddle contest out there, basically, you know. And I was like, hey, you know what? I'll take the ten ten. That was a crowded day too. Crowded day, and um, and so I paddled out, and I remember Dorian was on the on the back of the jet ski, and um, I paddled past. He's like, go get him, Jamie. You know what I mean? And I paddled out, and like ten minutes later, that thing came. I got that. I paddled over the boat. I was all just juiced up on adrenaline grabbed the other board paddled back out and i remember paddled past him again he goes oh way to warm up buddy <laughs> you know what i mean just like you just snapped the, you snapped that board on snapped that, wave that board too, right? went another one and then um went over with that um oh what's that crazy guy's name that um that is it the johnny um i think greg and greg's friends with him um 
he's a boat captain maybe um maybe one of the guys that took him out on the cortez anyway i went i took another one and um ate shit with him snapped that board and then we took another one out later and snapped i snapped three boards that day but um but that that wave ended up winning the double xl that year for the biggest wave you know but um but but getting back to that was the you know that because that morning was um sort of had that little lumpy bumpy feel to it It was big but like and there was a little bit of leftover wind chop and that was one of those days where i totally took advantage of seeing something that not no one else really saw out there yeah and most people see wind chop as a disadvantage yeah and i see it as a full advantage and not only not only in that like um like if you looked at um like nazare the contest that day um, we had a really uh, towards the final. We had a current ripping towards the um, the, the lighthouse. Are you talking about the year you won? Yeah. So this is two years ago. Yeah, there was actual waves. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, <laughs> but um, we uh, but that but that day you could um, and wh- whenever it's like that over there, you to paddle back against that. It's really hard. But there's these nearly reverse current style swells if you've ever come into a river mouth and um you have an outgoing tide but the swells pushing in and you've got like that stationary wave style thing right well you can um like if you can get down the trough in those things like you can it's basically like you are moving forward like and you actually get a rest and and that's that's from paddling right so like in the contest in the final like i would be drifting down we'd be drifting away and all of a sudden we're like oh shit we're out of, out of position paddle back and then i would just be able to like take a couple of hard sh- strokes because paddling in the, with swell and chops all about um timing and positioning and just um when you hit the gas so like i could just hit instead people just get into a mode of uh, just paddle like grind it out to get to the spot whereas i like accelerate We'll get a little swell, get in that trough, and I can sort of like lift my chest off my board and like glide, 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 and look for another one. Get a couple. It's literally on the big boards, like the ten sixes. You can, I feel like I'm on the paddleboard, and then sometimes I can like, I can distance myself like fifty, hundred yards from someone in a few minutes, which is a big advantage, man. Like not only a big advantage to get away from someone, but to like just to get like to a wave or see a wave or to like just to just try and get away from someone, you know? So like, I feel like, you know, if I'm looking at trying to, you know, some people look at their advantages as in other, other ways of big ways. Like I look at it, that's a good advantage for me to use. You know, why wouldn't I use that? I'd be silly not to, to use that skill that I've been learning my whole life. You know, it doesn't really help you on the wave, you know, but in and around, you know, doing certain stuff and free surfs, like just, maybe get into a wave faster than most people, then, hey, if that's if I can do that, then why not do that? Love it, man. Yeah. Dude, so. it's good shit. Yeah, I yeah. wish you the best in your upcoming year, and uh, you are you're in uh, an exciting time in life, man, so thanks for sitting down yeah, with me. Yeah, no worries. I'm, I'm excited, and uh, we'll sit down again after my next uh, ayahuasca trip. I can't wait. <laughs> I can't we'll wait. Just, we'll just keep documenting the ayahuasca for another, another decade. The growth. Yeah. <laughs> right on, man. Thank you, Carl. Thank you. Yeah. This is great. 
That's our show. I'm going to play you out with a song called Hey by Groove Armada. Also, I was recently a guest on Brian Callen and Hunter Motz's podcast, Mixed Mental Arts. So you can head over to Mixed Mental Arts if you want to listen to that. Once again, one thing that you will not find on this podcast are advertisements. So if you feel inspired to donate, head over to my website, kyle.surf, and click the Patreon link. If you don't have money to donate, just keep listening. Share the podcast with a friend. Give it a rating on iTunes. All that stuff helps immensely. And if you're tuning in from somewhere radical, which you are, even if you aren't, just record something on your phone. Tell me who you are and where you're listening from. Email it to info at kyle.surf. Try and keep it under 30 seconds, and I would love to play it at the beginning of the show. Don't overthink it. Pretend like you just drank two beers and you're leaving me a message. They're really fun, and I love getting these from you. All right. I hope you enjoy this song by Groove Armada, and I'll see you next week. Thank you.